your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to is a Tuesday, a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. Jill Billings is on the phone with me this hour. She's our assembly rep, and I I wrote in ninety five District ninety five, but I feel like is that right, Jill? That is right. Oh. You got it. All right. Every time it's a guess. Every time the only one, the only one I can do is like Senate, and, and even now, right now, I'm not even sure if I can do Brad half Senate District. But she, anyway, she's our assembly rep in District ninety five here. That includes Lacrosse, Cam, and Campbell, and just a little piece of something else. Uh, yep, a little bit of Shelby. A little bit of Shelby. Um, and, and so that, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about is with, uh, uh, the Supreme court, ju- ju- uh, the, U- the Wisconsin Supreme court, uh, flipping, which is just kind of a weird concept, but I guess we're all used to it now. And, uh, you know, that lawsuit that, that could challenge the lines and it wouldn't really affect you in a way that you're running anyway. I, I, I guess maybe you could announce right now, Jill, are you running for, <laughs> for assembly next <laughs> You know I love my job, and I love the people I represent. So um, so right now I plan to run again. Okay. And um, I could be under a new map. Yeah. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, And we can, and we can talk about that. I'm just going to run through some of this stuff. Uh, because, so then Jill knows what we're going to talk about as well. So um, <laughs> there, this, the, uh, Governor Evers called for a special session on child care funding in the state. Uh, we'll see if that happens. But... A special session means Republicans got to hold a session. You guys are out of session until when? Well, we're um, back in session in September. Um, in September, we're, we could be on the floor anytime from the 12th to the 21st. Okay. Um, and we'll be in committee meetings, too. Um, but he called, a, yeah, he called a special session to address chronic workforce challenges. And that's a specific day he... Um, called for it on Wednesday, September 20th at noon. Is that, is that a, is that a special day? I don't know why. What or are you just yeah, saying the date? That's, that's the day he chose. Um, we're scheduled to possibly be on the floor that day anyway. So oh, yeah. okay. we'll, see, we'll see what happens. I thought maybe it was like child care advocacy day or something. <laughs> Like, no, um, other things, uh, some legislation that's either the, the assembly is working on or, or maybe has worked on already, but I just threw in, in my notes, gas engines, ban, ban the, uh, so, but that's just part of the, the, like some of these, some of these bills that get passed. So we could just talk about just goofy bills that get passed that we know are going to, are going to get vetoed. Um, but Evers vetoed that, but, uh, another one is about, well, in the assembly, it's Assembly Bill 117 to ensure critical access to life-saving breast imaging. I don't know if you've – have you signed on to that? I heard a lot of people have signed on to that. Uh, that bill does have bipartisan support. Um, I haven't signed on to it. But after hearing the testimony in the Senate on that bill – I am inclined to support it. Okay. And we can get into that and I'll make you do most of the talking there when it comes to uh, breast imaging uh, for obvious reasons, maybe. Um, and then I, I guess, you know, maybe some general questions about how governor Evers is doing as he, you know, he's kind of into his second term here. Uh, you know, what you've liked, what you've disliked. And, and I got a bunch of other stuff on there with brewers funding and we, we could talk about all that stuff, but 
Um, all right, so you are running. We've got that official. Um, now I know you and Tim Grinky are running. That's officially uh, we've breaking <laughs> broke news here in the last week on on lacrosse. Not that it would be any surprise. Um, well, I'm glad that Tim is running. I think he's a really good district attorney. Yeah, it's, he. We had we had a pretty interesting conversation last week. It's always pretty interesting, and and it's not my forte. But like, I get Tim on, and then we we get into we deep dive into some stuff, and it's interesting. Um, I, I will just ask this, not just off the top of my head, or I'll forget. So we we talk about guns last week with Tim Grinke, our, our district attorney in La Crosse County, and just the the idea that you know what happens to a gun. Obviously, La Crosse had a mass shooting, that drive by shooting last uh, in June, I think that was. But if you go back, you know the there's a, a lot of incidences with guns. One of them was. The incident in downtown Lacrosse where a bouncer was was killed, and we found out that that was a ghost gun. Is there any ever any legislation about ghost guns that you guys talk, you know, work through committee? I, I feel like this kid, you know, he bought parts to a gun, all the part different parts to a gun online, and then put it together at home, and they used it to kill a 19 year old who was headed to the Navy in a month. Um, so, you know, like if there's not a story where we should have some legislation about ghost guns, it's, it's Anthony Fimple's story. You're right. Um, and we are working on several gun safety, uh, pieces of legislation right now. And we're coming up upon September, which is suicide awareness month and October, which is domestic violence awareness month. So there will be, you'll see some action um, in Madison on these issues. Legislation that we have out there right now is uh, one that provides storage incentives, um, kind of incentives for people to have safe gun storage. Um, Some of these are bipartisan and some are not. Uh, The second piece of legislation addressing gun safety is the ERPO legislation, or some people call it red flag laws, um, that say if a family or our loved one sees that somebody has some mental health issues or concerned about the fact that they have guns in their hands, um, they can take action through the courts with a judge deciding. Um, after evidence is put forward, a, a judge will make a decision. Yeah. You know, there's two things about that, that mm-hmm. conversation. A, we should name it something else because, and I think I've even heard Republicans say we need to name it something else because it raises red flags. When you literally say red flag law, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and a lot of times that that happens with legislation. I think the, the, you know, like it's, it's, it's basically like saying socialism, right. Or something like that. These trigger words Mm -hmm. that, that, uh, that people just get mad about, but don't actually know. And the other thing, Florida, like Florida has red flag laws. So just like, though, if you're going to talk about red flag laws and how they help, Hey guys, Florida has this. So I don't know. That would that would be a starting point for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, technically the bill is called the um, ERPO, the the ERPO law, which was stands for Extreme Risk Protection Orders. So yeah, maybe that's maybe we shouldn't even mention red flag if that's yeah um, something that holds this bill back. I'm fine not using um, that expression and just call it extreme risk protection order. You, you could call it that, but I don't think IRPA is getting anywhere either. <laughs> we need to yeah, pass IRPA. You know, what? what a shame. It's like, this is, this is serious stuff, right? I, I hear from family members who in my office who are concerned about a loved one having a gun and their frustration over not being able to do anything about it. 
And so, you know, and here, this is how silly things get that where people won't won't support it or won't vote for it because it's got a funny name, you know? It's like, this is the reality. If someone is mentally ill and are a risk to themselves or others with a gun, then, uh, you know, they should be able, it should be okay to take that action in front of a judge, show the evidence, have the judge decide, right? Yeah. What, why, what about ghost guns? To me. The, the idea that I can buy all the parts to a gun and then just have a gun no matter who I am, no background check, nothing like that, I don't think. Um, that doesn't seem to be – that doesn't seem like it should be all that partisan. And the dad of the guy – of the, the his son that was killed, you know, I don't think he likes to get too political, so I don't think he wants to take center stage to be the leading example mm-hmm. on why we should have ghost gun legislation. But, man, it doesn't seem like that hard of a – I don't – maybe it would be hard to – um, oversee and, and stop, but the the idea of just like having some rules for it seemed pretty, I don't know, normal. Yeah, and I think this fall there could be future bills um, regarding securing guns and vehicles or ghost guns or um, issues about guns on campus. I mean, I, I think it's good to have the discussion about this stuff, right, and, and talk about it. I'm going to be connecting with my local law enforcement, the sheriff, the lacrosse police, and the UWL campus police, um, just to talk over these issues and see if they have opinions on any of these laws. What do they think would be most helpful in their experience? Um, But um, I, you know, the, the, it's past time for us to take action on this. There are so many people who contact my office and say, you know, what are you doing? Why can't we do anything about gun safety? And so I think these are things that are not extreme. Um, I talked to a constituent just this week, and she's similar to me. I mean, I grew up in a family with hunting, and my family is very responsible about gun ownership. And, um, and I know, especially with my brothers, hunting is a way that they bond. And, and so I, I, I would never take away that sport. I have respect for that sport and people that want to want to do that. But, you know, some of this stuff doesn't really have much to do with hunting. The stuff that we're looking at, um, I think, is more about gun safety. And I don't think it's extreme. Uh, just a little tip when you're mentioning all the law enforcement. Campbell has a police department, too, I think. Oh, good point. Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> and, do. And does, doesn't, Shelby have, doesn't Shelby have a police officer? Wasn't that a thing a couple of weeks ago? I feel like they were going to decide whether or not. Was it Shelby? Maybe it was Stoddard. Maybe it could have been Stoddard. Um, anyway, that's State Rep Jill Billing. She's going to hang out with this with us this hour. We'll be back. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper, host of the podcast Around River City. I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at AroundRiverCity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. Whether you're a seasoned chef or just starting your culinary journey, Cooley Region Cooks is your new podcast resource. Discover new techniques. Hear from local culinary heroes who are mastering the art of the kitchen. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 on WIZM. Stream your favorite cooking tips, local chef interviews, and mouth-watering recipes on the WIZM app. Or find us on your favorite podcast platform. Stay updated and engaged by following us on Facebook. Just search Cooley Region Cooks today. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. That's Jill Billings coughing. You got to hit the cough button, Jill. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> no cough button on the phone. Um, and I potted you up before you were ready. Um, all right. So I, I want to talk about this before I forget. You were invited to the White House to talk about child care, which is also the special session that Governor Evers has just called. So we'll just do a little child care uh, advocacy talk right now. But um, what? OK, did, did when you're invited to the White House, I automatically just think you're going to hang out with Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Did either of those things happen? Um, okay, I did not hang out with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I did not write on Air Force One. Um, what were some of the other questions that people have asked me about? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that fancy. No, it's it's mostly work, but it's fun. It's it's a really good experience. Okay, so why so, can can you explain why you you were invited to the White House and and what you what what did they want? What did the what would it be safe to say? What did the Biden administration want to get out of you? Um, I I was invited because I think that a lot of elected officials understand that this is a huge workforce issue. Um, that you're talking about child child care, child care. Yeah, we need we need all hands on deck, and so we know that some people are staying home because child care they cannot find quality affordable child care, and so they just give up and end up staying out of the workforce. And we need our workforce now. Not only are parents doing that, but grandparents are retiring early so that they can take care of their grandchildren because they see the, the stress that their kids are under trying to find childcare and they're concerned about the quality of childcare for their grandkids. Well, grandparents are uh, also a problem. And uh, so they wanted to attack this. They've got some stuff that's coming up in the 2024 budget but they have a few initiatives to give relief right now. And um, they did a convening of the states, and there were legislators from 40 states who were there, about 90 of us. And like you said, there's no room in the White House that can probably, maybe the theater room. Is there? Um, so they did it in the big office building next door, the Eisenhower building. So we actually convened there in the treaty room. And learn from each other. What are other states doing? <clears throat> Excuse me. And what's the federal government doing? Okay. Is there, this is going to be a very awkward conversation here, just this piece because of what just happened. But this is federal, we're talking about like potential federal funding, like maybe like a, a child care counts too that, that helps subsidize the child care industry, maybe, right? Is that accurate? Yes. Um, yeah. Part of the, some of the funding goes to, um, child care center block grants so that they're basically able to keep the lights on okay and pay salaries um, decent salaries to workers so that they can get workers but there are other initiatives besides that too encouraging um, people to go into the workforce so help with education um, and and a few other um, initiatives okay so it would be federal funding so we would need like the US House and then the Senate to like sign off on this stuff I'm guessing. Um, yeah, the stuff that's in the budget. Okay, for so sure, that's not going to come for a while. All right, so so next step with them would be: Do you could you or have you reached out to U.S. House Rep. Derek Van Orden about this because you would try to get him on board because we would need the House to sign off on something like that if it was like a, a separate bill. I don't know if it would be or be part of an omnibus package. Um, and I say this is awkward because he just got you know the the headlines about him yelling at children. So then to ask him about childcare. 
is kind of funny. But I don't know. Do you reach out to Ron Johnson or, or Van Orden? Because we're going to need a couple a couple of Republicans in the House to sign off on a bill like that. And then, you know, obviously 60 people in the Senate. Uh, true. Yeah. And I I don't know if I've talked with with him specifically about this issue. I, I met with him. Actually, we had a, a quite a long meeting about two months ago, and um, and so we talked about a lot of issues. I probably did mention this one because this is, you know, I asked him what he was working on. He asked me what I was working on. Talked about things that we could possibly work on together, even though he's a Republican and I'm a Democrat. I work with who the voters bring me. And um, so we probably did talk about this. Um, and... Yeah, I'll be advocating in the future for him to support this in the budget. Do you, did you guys talk about anything where you're like, yeah, this is something we could work on, like together? I don't know. Do you, what what part of that conversation came off? Is you know, like pretty interesting. Um. Well, talking about earmarks and and needs um, in the driftless region, um, some of that kind of stuff. Okay. It was, it was interesting conversation. I yeah. do. Re- I do remember. Um, some stories about like funding something at something funding a firehouse, maybe one of the fire stations of the cross or the fire department. And then um, was there other funding for something at UWL? I can't remember. I talked to him about uh, funding for a few projects. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So, well, I mentioned UW lacrosse. Let's, let's, let's talk about this real quick. The, the UW Oshkosh is $18 million in debt. I think, um, when you hear that story, and then we're not the the state legislature kind of like defunded the UW system with the the latest budget. Um, did do you immediately go and talk to Joe Gao, the chancellor at UW Lacrosse, and see how they're doing? And how's UW Lacrosse doing in this? And then do you have to? You also have to worry about UW Oshkosh too, right? As as an assembly rep. Yeah, I mean, I am a supporter of higher education. I was. Uh, previously on that committee for, I think, four years. Um, And, of course, I'm on the State Building Commission that oversees the buildings on campuses. Um, So I was happy when the governor put $66.4 million in his budget um, for the biennial budget over the biennial, $66.4 million. Um, And I was disappointed that it got cut. I was actually really surprised because so much focus right now is on workforce. And, I mean, who cranks out our great workers in this state? It's either the tech colleges or um, the UW system. So that was surprising to me that, that they, they, they were so draconian about cutting that. Um, I, was, I was dismayed to see that Oshkosh announced that they're going to have layoffs and furloughs and restructuring because they just can't make, they can't make things work with the funding that they have right now. Um, with years of um, tuition being frozen and now no increases in this budget. So I, you know, I, I think that we're in a, we're in a bit of a better situation. You than Oshkosh across, yeah. is, but I know that, that things are not rosy on any campus um, because there just hasn't been the investment, whether it's investing in science buildings or investing in salaries. We've lost, you know, researchers, whole departments have left from UW-Madison. And I know there's struggles on our campus if we can't keep pay up for professors and they can 
you know, jump to the private sector and make a lot more money, um, then we're losing out, right, on our great workforce on our campuses. Okay, anytime this, and, and it comes up with schools a lot. I guess I don't know if it would come up any other. So, let's like, UW Lacrosse, UW Oshkosh, UW Oshkosh, $18 million in the hole. They got to do some restructuring. Um, anytime that, that stuff like that happens, people always, always talk about the, the, the bloated administrative costs. Like uh, we have too many people in administration. Do you guys ever look at that and go, maybe, maybe these UW system schools do have like too many administration positions or those positions, you know, and they get paid a lot, right? Like, is there a, do you guys ever look at stuff like that? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, and I don't know. I haven't had time yet. Oshkosh just made this announcement. So I haven't had time to look at what they're doing with the layoffs. I don't know if they're laying off administration or they're laying off faculty or who they're cutting. But um, but I so I don't know yet. I haven't had a chance to dig down into that with Oshkosh. Okay, yeah, it'd be interesting. I guess next time we have you on, it'd be interesting to see like what the, the, the specifics and the the details aside from getting more funding from the state, you know, like why it, why else would the, uh, that school be failing a little bit? Um, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to take another break for news. I got two texts that I want uh, well, maybe three now I got to read the third one. One is about legal marijuana from Carl. Another one is about childcare and I don't know who that is from. And then there's one more text. So we'll get to those when we come back. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper, host of the podcast around river city. I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at AroundRiverCity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Jill Billings, Assembly Rep of District 95, which includes Lacrosse, Campbell, and parts of Shelby. Uh, is hanging out with us this hour, and I'm going to read some of these texts here for you, Jill. Otherwise, I forget because I just tend to do that. Um, all right, so the, well, one of these is really easy, but let's do the child care text because they they uh, that's kind of in the news right now too. Um, as you guys could meet in like, first of all, Governor Evers calls a special session to just what? Well, like, what does that mean when when the governor calls a special session? And this one is partly about child care. Uh, in a in a world that isn't the last five years, uh, what would what would a legislature do? Maybe maybe what eight years ago? Uh, what would happen if Governor Walker called a special session? We would have met, debated the bill, and voted on it. Okay, <laughs> well that's interesting uh, because because what happened? What's happened the last eleven times Governor Evers has called special sessions? This is his first time. In this term, but his last term, he called it 11 times and Republicans gaveled in and out without discussion in like under a minute every time. And and some of them, OK, like you don't want to talk about uh, police bills. OK, because it's too contentious to talk about police bills. But one of them was like to update the unemployment system, which Republicans were mad about that it wasn't updated, you know, when everyone was unemployed during COVID. So um, this one doesn't seem like we should be gaveling in and out of it either. But uh but Robin Voss said this to to the idea of a special session. Governor Evers' proposals to give child care providers a one-time payment of $365 million is another 12-month patch to match what they just lost through the federal stimulus plan. It is unsustainable and does nothing to address the long-term problem faced by the child care industry. 
Sounds like something you could say during a debate and then come up with a better funding solution then, right? <laughs> exactly. If, if you don't like the Child Care Counts program, um, that's the proposed program um, that the governor wants us to debate. Come up, let's hear what your ideas are, because not much has been offered on the other side right now. And so I think this helps child care facilities keep the lights on. It keeps them running. We're in a situation where child care centers that are currently functioning with some ARPA stimulus money that we're sort of eking out till the end of the year. I mean, once that's gone, we're going to see doors close. In fact, um, the Century Foundation said they expect 2,110 child care programs to close. So this, this impacts parents, but it also impacts um, employers. Um, who are going to lose? Who well, are going to lose staff? Well, um, this actually the entire and and Robin Voss is talking about childcare, but the governor includes several items that were taken out of his proposed budget. We're still sitting on four billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's be clear about that. We've got four billion dollars in the state, so he proposes a billion dollars to go into things like childcare, higher education, including for technical colleges. Um, and the university system. He's um, got health care workforce grants and trying to encourage people to go into health care. We know that we just don't have enough workers in that area. And also education. Um, you know, I just have to say that post-Act 10, a lot of teachers retired earlier and not a lot of people are going into the field, certainly not as many as before, and so he has some things like stipends for teacher interns so that as teachers are in college um, and they're doing that intern work, they can get a stipend for doing that. Um, and that also includes library interns because we know we need school librarians. Um, we're trying to um, encourage grow your own teachers. If we know people who we think should be going to that field, there are scholarships available there. Um, so he offers relief in several areas that got stripped from the budget, um, but really need attention. And again, this feeds our workforce. When you say there's something in there to encourage healthcare workers or to encourage people to get into healthcare, what does that mean? Is it like, um, like help with like education, secondary education to get into the healthcare field or what? Well, there's um, some funding for nurse educators. There's funding for, uh, workforce innovation grants in healthcare. Um, there's treatment trainees, qualified treatment trainee um, funding, um, graduate medical education funding, uh, worker advancement in healthcare funding. So, example, for example, I think Gunderson has this program where if somebody is maybe they're um, working in the hospital and they're doing sort of the in, environmental work like cleaning rooms or laundry or um, maybe even CNAs and they're trying to bring them up, right, to the next step. You know, you seem like you're interested in working in a medical facility. You seem like you have good relation with pa- with patients. Um, why don't you think about going to that next level? And here's some help with your education so that you can go to that next level and so that we get the, the registered nurses that we need. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so um, it's, it's that kind of thing that, I mean, some of these programs, we know that they work, so let's fund them. Well, and the other thing, too, is you talk about the state surplus being at $4 billion still, and we 
sorry, uh, we we're we hadn't done anything with childcare. Well, then then it becomes a burden on local government. So we've we've seen, I think, a lacrosse county board and the city of lacrosse. I know for sure just passed used more ARPA money to spend on childcare for the city of lacrosse. Four hundred thousand dollars on top of the two million they already spent. So we're using that ARPA money to kind of sustain childcare, hoping that maybe the state or maybe the feds come in. You know, later, maybe a couple of years down the road, we'll just stretch this ARPA money that could be used elsewhere. We could use this ARPA money elsewhere. We are not sitting on $4 billion in budget surplus. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it's kind of, it would be a unique opportunity to do some um, different forms of innovative development, right? Um, but this is a way um, that we can sort of help fund our employers um, by this increase of the workforce and therefore um, fund our economy. I, yeah, I, I just don't see why we don't also just utilize our public schools in terms of a child care facilities and just, you know, like either expand them or use empty classrooms if there are any. I don't know if there are any, but like or, or use the excess schools that the Lacrosse School District has and, and make those child care centers and, and get people in there. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. all about workforce. So I'll get to the text. Uh, here, here they say, what is the problem with parents being parents or grandparents mentoring the next generation instead of going to childcare workers that maybe don't care as much as mom, dad, or the grandparents do about development of their child? Focus your efforts on family taking care of families, and we'll have a better future. I have a couple things to say about that. First of all, I, I was lucky. I was lucky to be born in a small town where both of my grandparents um, lived within blocks of me. I had cousins that lived nearby. I had, um, and there was great family connection there. Um, my kids, as we have more of a transient, transient populations, um, you know, my kids don't live by, um, as close to their grandparents. You know, my parents couldn't do the childcare work. So that affects probably, that affects a lot of families. Right, Possibly grandparents the just don't live families. But if grandparents want to do that work, I think that's fabulous. Um, and if if parents want to stay home, I stayed home for several years when my kids were young. We made that decision that we we're going to take that financial hit, and um, so families make those choices. The problem is in Wisconsin, we have to grow. We don't have enough people to do the work, and we need workers. So. Um, every time, you know, a, parent, a grandparent says, I'm retiring early, or every time a mom or dad, usually a mom, says, I'm going to stay home with the kids, this isn't, this just doesn't work, um, then we lose someone out of that workforce, and, you know, we need all hands on deck right now. I'll give you an example of how this worked in Vernon County. There was a doc that came and looked at um, Vernon Memorial Hospital, and you know, um, docs in rural areas are already, it's already difficult to get doctors in rural areas, but they loved the area. They loved the driftless region. Um, they loved the community. But when they started looking for um, child care, they said, we can't, we can't live here. There's just not the child care we need for our child. Yeah, and I mean, so they lost that doc that they were going to have working at the hospital there. I mean, the hospital should just let your kids tag along while you're walking around. It's fine. Well, that might be difficult in surgery, but yeah, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, just put them in the corner. Put baby in the corner. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty obvious. Like, it, if if mom or dad wants to stay home with the kids, of course, the perfect world. Fifty years ago, when when we could afford a society where mom or dad, you know, didn't didn't both have to work, but a we've we've turned into a society without any pushback 
from society that everyone has to work. Also, people want to work. Some people want to go and, and have a career, so they don't want to stay home. So it's you're like, who's going to sacrifice and stay home? But the other side of this is if both parents want to have careers, but one of those careers doesn't pay enough to to uh, allow them, to, you know, basically it's a balancing act. Like I can go have my career, but I got to use all that money to subsidize, to pay for childcare. And therefore, what's the point? I might as well stay home and, and watch my kid because you're right. It would be better if the parent stayed home with the kid, but not everyone wants to do that. Right. Right. Yeah, it's, and not yeah. everybody can afford to do that. All right. 608-785-7914. Yeah. I think, I think most of the society is in, we're in a position where we can't afford to have one parent stay home. I, you know, just, just stay home. You take your $40,000 a year that you would make in a career and stay home. So like that's, that's not <laughs> happening. We don't have a society like, a, like that anymore. Raise minimum wage to $25 an hour. And we'll see, we'll see if that changes. Um, and I think that always the, the ever present issue is we need our workforce. We need our workforce in Wisconsin. Yeah. Everybody's got to grind it. Um, okay. So I, I mentioned, uh, um, minimum wage, but here's another one kind of related to that. Uh, somebody texted in, asked why unemployment payments haven't changed since 2005. So are we getting the 2005 unemployment? Like kind of like uh, minimum wage hasn't changed in what, 13, 14 years. We haven't changed in Wisconsin, the minimum unemployment uh, payouts. Yeah. That one, I'm not sure. Um, you know, the benefits, 40% of average weekly wage, maybe the maximum hasn't gone up. Maybe that's the issue the person's talking about. So I don't know. Or maybe the amount of weeks available hasn't gone up. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what they're talking about, but yeah, I, 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 would say, I don't know. I can, I can look into it. I could say like in 05, maybe the, the maximum in 05 would be like pretty minuscule now, like 15, Possibly. 18 years later, because, Possibly. you know, I don't know. Um, all right. And then uh, somebody else texted in. I think this was Carl. Can you ask about uh, legalizing weed, legalizing cannabis? They call it cannabis. Okay. Um, well, there has been some movement on this um, for medical marijuana. Uh, for the first time, the majority leader in the assembly, Robin Voss, has said um, that they're looking into it, and the Republicans are working on legislation. Um, we know that they had the, a Republican in the Senate, Mary Feltzkowski, who's from up northern in northern Wisconsin, she had a, a bill for medical marijuana, um, and they finally gave a hearing at the very end of session before we were about to recess. So I don't think they were really serious about it because they would have had a public hearing and worked to get it through um, to a vote on the floor earlier in the session. But so, you know, we called foul on that. It's like, you're not really serious about this. But so now... Um, uh, Speaker Voss has said publicly that they are working on a bill. They will have something out uh, this fall. Democrats have had legislation on medical marijuana out for the last few years, and also, I mean, the few terms and my last few terms. And we've also had um, Democrats have introduced uh, medical marijuana, medical marijuana, and recreational marijuana. That's um, Melissa Agard is the She's the champion of that and has been for 10 years now, I think. Um, so, so we'll see what happens. You know, now with Minnesota um, legalizing marijuana, recreational marijuana, we'll see what happens. It sounds like they're not, they won't have 
their system of licensure set up until 2025. So probably nothing really happening except for with the tribes who don't, who can follow their own um, regulatory system, I guess. So Minnesota will have it within the next few years. Um, so then we'll be kind of be an island, right? Because Michigan, Illinois, Canada, um, and Minnesota. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so we'll kind of be an island except for... Yeah, the, the, the solution is come on over to Minnesota and buy some weed and then take it back and don't get pulled over while you're doing it. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Well, and Carl poses this question, like, what's your stance? So your stance is, is it, are there any Democrats that are like, no, we're, I'm not, I'm against legalizing marijuana? Yeah, yes, there are some. In fact, until this last term in office, I was opposed to recreational marijuana because I felt like, what is wrong with our society where we need the next, thing that's you know going to help us escape from reality that's a concern of mine i'll tell you it is mm-hmm. with my background in health and human services but i am also concerned as i see what's happening more and more frequently um in today's world where marijuana is being laced with other dangerous dangerous drugs and um so i guess the way to stop that is through uh, being able to go to a dispensary and know exactly what you're getting. Um, so, so I've changed my stance this last year, and I know I've disappointed some people, and I've made a lot of other people very happy. But you know, as I've bec- as I've learned more, and as situations have changed. I've changed my stance on that. Well, and as a country, we can kind of go and and grab different states and see how it's doing, right? Like you could go. You know, yeah. we always pick on, I think, like Colorado and Washington. Well, how are they doing? You know, yeah. what are the I problems? Kept saying we need to study and have a model, find a model that's a good model. You know, we have to make sure we take care of things like law enforcement. You know, they're going to have extra needs um, once, you know, it's, it's legalized. I mean, even with Minnesota, we'll see what well, happens. I, you know, extra check for not just drunk driving, but drugged driving. Uh, we know that law enforcement will need new canine units because their dogs are trained to hit on marijuana. And so people in other states, uh, people, drug dealers and others, have used marijuana to mask um, other drugs that they have. So we're going to, I mean, they're going to be expenses that we have to be really careful about and think about and try to address this um, in the best way we can. Well, I talked last week with a, a DRE sergeant in the lacrosse police force, and they're they're like good to go. Like they know already, they already know how to test for drug drug driving, and it's not going to be any big change. It just might happen. We'll see if it happens more frequently. But it's illegal to drink and drive and to drug and drive already. So the police police already right. know how to do that. You're right. Maybe the canine units might be different, but we'll see. Um, anyway, anything else, Jill? Before I let you go, um, just. Well, I guess on a positive note, a fun thing, I'm looking for the, forward to the, um, I don't know if you know that lacrosse, I was contacted by um, Explore Lacrosse um, about the um, hosting of the LST World War II worship coming up, and I was invited to go to that. I have a grandfather who was in World War II in the Navy, and I'm excited to go and hopefully bring a couple nephews with me, and um, so... I think that'll be really interesting, and it sounds like it's going to be huge. They talked about maybe, I think, 20,000 people maybe descending in lacrosse over five days um, to look at this, to look at the warship. So 
I think that's going to be kind of a fun thing that's coming up. That's the, on, uh, let's see, what is that? Uh, August 31st. This is a dumb question, but is it coming up the river or are we bringing it like on a trailer? I, it's, I assume it's, it, I know it's coming up the river because it's landing at Riverside Park on okay. the 31st just, and it's remaining docked till the 4th. Yeah, it's that's a, awesome. It's going to, we're one of three cities that were selected to host it. All right. And well, they say 20 to 30,000 people. So it's going to be cool. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Thanks. I uh, appreciate you coming on, Jill. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Take good care. Bye. All right. We got to take one more break. We'll be back. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper host of the podcast Around River City. I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at AroundRiverCity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, that's going to wrap up a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thank you, everybody, for texting. Thanks to Jill Billings for hanging out for the hour. I think we talked about like a third of the things that I wanted to get to, um, but that's what happens. We just got, like some of these issues are more important than the others, and uh, childcare funding. We'll see if the Republicans in the legislature hold actually hold a special session. They'll actually be in session as well. So um, it is kind of funny to call a special session while in session, but we'll see if it's a, an eleven sec gavel in and out type thing. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Ken Cooper, host of the podcast Around River City. I've got an invitation for you to listen in to my conversations with the people that make it so cool to live in and around River City. Subscribe at AroundRiverCity.com or anywhere you get your podcasts.